0: Good afternoon. Today, you're listening to Dwell on Truth. My name is Brenton Powers. And I'm Dan Bodwin. And on today's program, we're going to be studying John chapter 13, verse 18 through the end of the chapter, which deals with Judas, who would betray Jesus. Jesus actually predicts this. And Peter, who would deny Jesus. Another fail by another disciple. But there's a big difference between the two. And so we're going to learn our lesson from that today. We're going live, folks. So, uh, Dan, welcome back to the show. How have you been? Thank you. I've been really good. I've been very um, busy
1: um, with ministry stuff, with a family trip. Um, We spent a couple of weeks out on the road and drove over 2,500 miles and visited Oregon and Washington and Idaho. Wow. And uh, just a ton of stuff. Just enjoying a lot of it was spending time with family and friends and just enjoying the beauty of God. creation. Got to see some just amazing stuff.
0: Wonderful. Well, welcome back. We missed you. People had to put up with my uh, guest teaching slots that I gave. I taught at Calvary Yuba City. I got to teach at Cypress Church Gonzales a week ago. And this past Sunday, I taught at Calvary Chapel Lighthouse Fellowship in Pacific Grove. So if anyone wants to get the other teachings, I probably won't share them on the podcast because they're mostly for believers. But if you're a believer and you'd like uh, access to the MP3s, I probably will post them over at the patreon page for those who are still giving to help pay for airtime and they get some free additional content over there at patreon.com dwell on truth the other way you can support us if you want to but we're not asking for it because this show has been generously provided for by those who support us through open air campaigners at oacnorcal.org give uh, but we as we want to be different than the typical evangelist where instead of asking for you to give we want to just give give to you. We're here to offer free of charge the gospel and the word of God. Um, and so that's why we're going to go through John chapter 13, verse 18 and following today. And hopefully yes. we'll finish the whole book within a few months, because the Bible is God's word. It's the truth. And that if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So welcome to Dwell on Truth. Shall we dive into our teaching for today, Dan? From Yes, let's do that. All right. Let's just start with reading uh, verse by verse, and then I'll give an intro and we'll go verse by verse through. Through. yeah starting sounds good verse 18 starting with verse 18 oh i'm getting a phone call hopefully it's not from a listener saying i can't hear you <laughs> S- simon hopefully i'll have not to, i'll have to call you later because we're live on youtube right now at OECNorCal.org. so i look forward to talking to you okay call, call you in an hour okay bye bye Speaking of, my friend Simon and I are organizing a Christian music festival in Santa Cruz yes. on July yes. 30th. That's who that was. Um, so it, <laughs> that's another thing that Christians are giving of their time and talents and treasures in order to provide probably what could cost fifty or $60,000 if you hired all the musicians and everybody to pr- yeah. put this on. But everyone's coming together from different Calvary chapels and Celebration Recovery and um, Teen Challenge and and a bunch of different ministries in Monterey and Santa Cruz counties. So come to True Love Music and Art Festival July 30th, all day, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. And Dan will Remind us of the
1: location on that.
0: Oh, yes. That will be in Aptos at, I forget the name of the park, but it's that central park, big grassy field near the entrance to Forest of Nicene Marks.
1: Nice, nice. Looking forward to being there. Yes, you will be running sound and talking about Jesus, and I will be there. We're not exactly sure where we're going to be set up yet, But we are looking forward to uh, encouraging people and hearing some great music and lots of good
0: stuff. Absolutely. So without any further ado, let's dive in and read God's Word, starting in John chapter 13, verse 18 through 30. Sounds good. I am not speaking of all of you, Jesus says. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against
1: me. I am telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he.
0: Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever does, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me.
1: After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me.
0: The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke.
1: One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus'
0: Sorry, I was checking my volume. So Simon (laughs) Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot.
1: Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly.
0: Now, no one at the table knew why he had said this to him.
1: Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor.
0: So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. It was a dark and stormy night. There was There's a lot of <laughs> foreboding in this chapter. Jesus predicts Judas betrayal of him and he also predicts peter's denial of him basically two of his disciples that have been following him are going to fail him within the next 24 hours in a major way Although there's a big difference between Judas's failure and Peter's failure. Um, yes. And we'll get into the, the difference. Um, what we read here was just about Judas, so we'll focus on that for the next 20 minutes or so. And then after that, we'll continue to read the chapter where we stopped and learn what we can learn about Jesus' prediction that Peter would deny him. Because we all fail, don't we, Dan? And we need to know that— We do. Absolutely. Our failures—what do our failures say about us? It says we need Jesus. We need to trust in him. Him, not in ourself. And uh, sometimes they reveal that we're not trusting in Him, and we should repent and turn and trust in Him.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. But there's also, yeah, there's there's hope in that we, we look at Ju- Judas, and we look at Peter, and Judas failed ultimately, and Peter did not. And uh there is, you may think, and we've met people on the streets who think that they've done too many bad things, they failed too badly, God would never accept them. And that's don't believe that lie, my friends. God is a much greater savior than you are a sinner. So there is always time, as long as you're on this earth, to turn. Amen.
0: Yeah. Jesus knows the hearts and minds of men. And so he knows Judas. And he had said previously in the chapter, just to review the context a little bit, when Jesus had washed the disciples' feet feet. He said, you are all clean, except not all of you. There was someone unclean among us, and he was referring to the one who would betray him. But he said to Peter, you are clean. I just need to wash your feet as a as a lesson of servanthood of uh, for me to show you how to serve one another. And uh, so that was. there's been a lot of foreshadowing that Judas would deny him. Um a tremendous amount. Yeah. In John um, uh, 13, 11, it says, he knew who was to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. So, so jesus wasn't surprised by this uh but he was definitely grieved by this let's go let's go verse by verse and add some comments um uh, back in verse 18 it says i'm not speaking of all of you i know whom i have chosen but the scripture will be fulfilled he who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me dan what are your
1: thoughts on that verse oh there's a tremendous amount there but so he was speaking to the disciples clearly all of those were the disciples and those that he had chosen to to be with him i I almost said chosen to follow him, uh, but it seems clear from the statement that, you know, Jesus, you know, even though Judas had fallen him in the short term, he didn't follow him in the long term. And G- Jesus saw that coming. Um, I think it's an ind- indication that, that Judas was, was not and never had been a true believer. Um, so, and that's, that's, that's important, um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's, well, we could go into yeah. the, the weeds theologically on that, and I don't want to do that. But one of the things that it does tell us is that, you know, God has a perfect plan for the good and the bad, and he really does turn everything to his, to his good and to his glory. So even the betrayal of Judas was something that was important, that was powerful and that Jesus knew and, and used for his purposes. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's, he quotes a psalm here, Psalm yes. 41, verse 9. But I'd actually like to read the whole psalm. It's 13 verses. Sure. And that's like a good idea. And it, it happens sometimes that Jesus will say, a scripture is fulfilled. And when you're reading the original scripture, it may not come off like a prophecy, but it, it is a prophecy in this sense, that David, who wrote uh, this psalm and many other psalms, uh, had been given prophecies that through his seed, one one of his descendants would uh, inherit the throne throne of David forever and ever. And so David was a type of Jesus. Jesus is the better David, yes. the better king. Where David yes. failed, Jesus didn't fail. And so there's some parallels here between the life of David, what he really felt, what he went through, and what Jesus went through leading up to the cross. And so this betrayal of someone who is a close friend, what's more painful than that? I mean, you expect betrayal from your enemies, but from yeah. a friend, th- that's a deeper pain that you go through. Shall we? Can can yeah. I just read that whole psalm, Dan? Please, get your please thoughts? do. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's Psalm 41. To the choir master, a psalm of David. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. As for me, I said, the Lord be gracious to me and heal me, for I have sinned against you. Now, pause. That doesn't apply to Jesus because Jesus was tempted in every way, yet without sin. Yeah, without sin. Mm-hmm. Yes. Going on, verse 5. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and will and his name perish? And when one comes to see me, he utters empty words. His heart gathers iniquity. When he goes out, he tells it abroad. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. They say a deadly thing is poured out on him. He will not rise again from where he lies. Here's the key verse. Even a close friend in whom I trust, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. But you. O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me, but you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Dan, your thoughts.
1: Um, Well, it seems like the second half of that chapter is really kind of a picture of the Pharisees and their response to Jesus. And of course, they wanted, you know, they wanted him gone, they wanted him dead, at least the majority of them did. And it talks about Judas as as the tool that was used. It's interesting because it was a tool that was used by the Pharisees, Judas was, for their purposes, but he was also a tool used by God for his purposes at the same time. And then at the end of it, it talks about how, you know, he he didn't, basically he didn't stay dead, you know, death did not conquer him. And so it's, yeah, it's a neat, neat verse. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there are a lot of passages that we see in the Old Testament that are, um, you know, in, in one way, you know, kind of a, a worship or a praise or a, you know, a spiritual song like this and on one level and on another level, they were prophetic. Or we see prophecy on top of prophecy in, in uh, books like the book of Isaiah, you know, where there was a, a short-term fulfillment for the nation of Israel and a long-term fulfillment for for. Jesus Christ. It's, it fascinates me, the layers of meaning that God put into his word. It's, it's really
0: interesting. Absolutely. And the last time we were together, we went on a long rabbit trail of Jesus in the whole book of Isaiah. And don't get <laughs> oh, me yeah. started on the Psalms, because there's a lot yeah. in the Psalms. Oh, so much in the Psalms. <laughs> so, but Jesus himself quotes a particular verse and says, this is to betray what was spoken of. Mm-hmm. And then verse 22, we'll move forward, uh, verse 21, rather, um, after, I'm sorry, I'm skipping several verses. Verse 19, I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Hmm. Speaks again to
1: that truth of the, of the prophetic in the Old Testament and the fulfillment of it by Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that Jesus Jesus knew. Jesus, you know, knew the, the hearts and thoughts of men and knew exactly what was going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Reminds me of what, what the prophets said as well when God was speaking through the Old Testament prophets. He says, I tell you in advance, so when it it happens, you may believe that I am He, and yes, here on, our, on this radio station, we're speaking. We know not just to Christians, but we're speaking to non-Christians, and so a lot of them, yeah. I I would suggest from Jesus's words here is that Jesus wants you to examine the evidence of fulfilled prophecy. Because that confirms that he is he. And when Jesus said that you may believe that I am, the he could be left out. And and, and you could see this as a claim to deity because the name of God is revealed to Moses in uh, Exodus three fourteen I believe. Um, when Moses asked, what's your name? He said, I am who I am. I am has sent you. So yes Jesus is saying, and he said in a previous chapter to the Pharisees, unless you believe that I am or I am he, then you will die in your sins. Um, yes. So it's a life- death issue. It's essential to believe that Jesus is he. He is God in the flesh. Um, And so, do you believe that or do you not? One reason we should believe that is fulfilled prophecy. And Jesus gives us two prophecies that are immediately fulfilled, Judas betraying him and then Peter denying him. And he doesn't predict these things just to to squish us. He predicts it to, to build our faith up. You know, he's not saying, Jesus Jesus is not saying to Peter, you're, you're going to deny me. And that shows that you never believed or you don't believe right now. It just shows that you've, you've had a lapse of faith. Uh, but he's he's even telling him in advance so that later he would believe. There's another cross-reference. I don't, I don't have it written down. But um, once Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that when you were restored, you will strengthen the brothers. So there's been some foreshadowing going. Going on of about Judas and about Peter. But I'm getting ahead of myself because we're talking about Judas here. <laughs> can we go on to uh the next verse, Dan? And get to, absolutely can co- both comments. And that's
1: Luke 22,
0: 31. Oh, good. Simon,
1: Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he may sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. So that's a great one.
0: Good. And back to John thirteen, verse eight, uh, verse twenty. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever 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 receives me, receives the one who sent me." What does that mean there? Whoever receives the one I send, receives me.
1: Well, there's there's kind of a stair step there, you know. If you are a believer, if you're truly wanting to know God and, and trust in Him, um, then you're going to hear His voice. It makes me think back to my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and etc. So God's sheep hear His voice, so they will hear His voice through the one that He has sent, you know, Jesus, the Son, and they will also hear His voice through true believers who are sharing His meth- message. In mm-hmm. truth, mm-hmm. so there is power in that spoken word um, that, and and in really in the whole process of that revelation from father to son to. Um, to believers through the Spirit. So, there's mm-hmm. really the whole trinity involved there. Mm-hmm.
0: In this verse, what pops out to me is the word receives four times in one verse. Yes, one verse. yes. And the and he says, I the one I send and the one who sent me. So, the word send or yes. sent is repeated as well. And I just think of the idea of, well, modern times we're living in where you can order something on Amazon. Amazon <laughs> sends you something and you receive it. They're taking pictures now at your doorstep to show it was delivered, whether you received it personally or not. But God sent His own Son, and His own did not receive Him. We read in the very beginning of this whole book. But to those who do receive Him, to those who believe in His name, that's what it means to receive Him, is to believe in who He is, believe in His name, Jesus, the Lord saves. If you receive Jesus as He is, then you're not just receiving Him, you're receiving the Father who sent Him. Yes. Uh, yes. What's a little harder for us to understand is whoever receives the When I send receives me. Like, we wouldn't say that this means you have to accept Brenton and Dan to accept Jesus (laughs) as your Savior. But there is is a sense in which Jesus sends others in his name to go out and preach the gospel to make disciples. And at very least, he's applying this to these disciples who would continue to spread the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, that the apostolic authority, if you will, if you don't receive, the word of the apostles, if you reject, say, the New Testament, then you're rejecting Jesus as well because they're the ones that he gives authority to. Those are the ones, in fact, the word apostle means sent one. So, if you reject the apostles, then you are rejecting Jesus. You can't be a Christian, in other words, and deny the New Testament's authority because it was written by the apostles. You can't
1: claim to follow Jesus and reject the New Testament because Mm -hmm. there are some um, who will reject the New Testament but still say, I believe in Jesus and the Jesus they believe really has nothing to do with reality or God's, you know, revelation of himself. So what Jesus is that?
0: And Dan, I'm going to set you up with a softball question. You ready? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> sure.
0: Uh when it I'm says, a little scared. when it says uh to receive me when Jesus says that does he mean just say a quick prayer repeat after some somebody and or sign on the dotted line and you have no. guaranteed eternal life because you repeated the prayer the sinner's prayer No,
1: yeah. Uh, you're right, that was a softball question because we talk about this all the time on the street <laughs> there's there's this idea that that belief or trusting in Christ or being born again is just, you know, repeating a prayer, or writing a date in the back of the of your bible, walking an aisle to the to the front and raising your hand when, you know, he says every every head bowed, every eye closed, that kind of thing. And what makes you a believer in Christ is not going through one of those processes. Um, but a heart that is changed and uh, um, uh turning from sin and trusting in the savior putting the whole weight of your faith of your trust onto jesus and his um his uh provision um, for for our sin to be paid for our salvation so it's it's a matter of the heart not just a matter of words that come out of mm-hmm. our mouth yes i often say it's not a harry potter spell you know mm-hmm. just repeat the words and then poof it everything's perfect doesn't work that yeah.
0: way there may be words there may be outward uh-huh. you know kneeling raising your hands but it's oh, not yeah. it's not the ritual of going forward that saves you correct it's, it's actually receiving jesus as he is in, as a your simple Lord prayer is
1: all that's necessary mm-hmm. i mean if and i'm not saying if you said a sinner's prayer at some point that that because you used that formula that you're not saved i'm not saying that at all that's not the case all it all it takes is a simple prayer. And if that simple prayer is a reflection of your heart before God, then you have every reason to believe that you're saved. That's all it takes. Amen. But Let, not the ritual.
0: Yeah. Yep. So, all right, we're going to go on from that. Thank you, Dan, for answering that. I knew you were, you'd be prepared <laughs> for that. Um, it's an important point. Right. And so, in contrast to someone who truly receives Jesus, Jesus again returns to the topic of Judas in the next verse, verse 21. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his Spirit and testified truly. Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. He didn't say the name yet, but it's clear one of you will betray me. Truly, truly is like Amen, Amen in the Hebrew yeah. with the Hebrew word. That's what Amen means. Is truly, uh, verily. So Jesus is is in, in emphasizing that this will indeed come to pass because we can see in the next verse the disciples weren't really sure. Like, how is this such a thing possible? They've all been loyal, at least outwardly, to Jesus but uh, maybe we can comment first on what it means that Jesus was troubled in his spirit.
1: Yeah that's that's powerful and it's uh, it makes Jesus it reminds us about how human in a real sense Jesus was. This was God the Son in human form but you know, i think sometimes when we when people think about god becoming a man they get this idea of these you know greek and roman deities who big and powerful and glowing and and acting in kind of weird ways and it, jesus was truly god but he was really human and he really had those emotions i mean when when painful things happened he felt it um, and it's it's because of that that he's able to, or at least partially because of that, that he's able to um, to really understand us and and relate with us in in a, in a really special way.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's in his humanity that he feels mm. that grief and just understanding the yeah. context of what Jesus would was going to be going through. He knew he yeah. was going to be betrayed, and that's a that's a painful painful thing. It hurts. Yeah. Um, and it was the person that he had just washed his feet among the others that he washed their feet, and uh, when he gets betrayed we'll read more about this later but he sa- he gives judas will betray him with a kiss which is a sign of friendship in that culture and jesus says is it with a kiss that you're betraying me judas um, yeah, just pure evil to be able to look at Jesus in the face and treat him as a friend, but know that you're going to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. So the disciples were shocked at this. It says in verse 22, the disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. Hmm. Who's he talking That's interesting. about? Yeah, how, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, it, it's, it's funny in some... Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, go ahead, please.
1: It, it's in some of these old uh, paintings and representations of, the, of the, the Last Supper and things like that, Judas is pictured as this kind of nasty, ugly character with a hook nose and stuff like that. like he looks evil on the surface and it should have been obvious to everybody who and what he was. Um, and I think I think that's important because we have the same kind of an idea about the devil as if the you know evil should be so obvious in front of us and it's not always. Judas uh, blended in very well with the other disciples that should give us pause mm-hmm. to, ab- about the people around us and about ourselves too. Scripture says to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith and test yourself to see if you pass the test.
0: Yeah. So. And it also goes to show that G- Judas wasn't this guy that had like horns and a red skin that was an obvious uh, it, you know when Jesus said one of you is going to betray me there, there aren't, they weren't saying to each other well obviously it's Judas yeah. um, because No, he didn't look the part um, of a betrayer. But in the next verse, um, uh, it says, one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at Jesus' side. I'll just read a a few verses. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So the disciple leaned back against Jesus and said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I give this morsel of bread. And before we go there, just the fact that they all were asking, who is it? Although only one person was closest to Jesus, uh, and this person is called the disciple that Jesus loved, and he was leaning against Jesus there. It's, it's hard to picture, but at the table, they would recline, actually. They'd have this lower table in the middle that would be kind of like a coffee table. They'd all be laying on pillows with their feet on the outside of the circle, and so they would all kind of be like laying on their side. So all John had to do, and we believe this is John, right? The author of this yes. book consistently yes. calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. All he had to do was lean back and say, "Who is it?" And the indication was that it was the person on the other side of Jesus. Uh, so Jesus was able to reach over and hand him some food, you know, some pita bread dipped in hummus or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, something similar to that.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's it's interesting if you've ever been to a Jews for Jesus seder dinner type reenactment where they they have props there and they show you how things are positioned. Jesus actually puts Judas in the seat of honor. The the, f- the one with the most honor would sit on the far side of the circle, and Jesus gives Judas the seat of honor and hands him the bread. He treats him as as great. Um, yeah, that
1: first morsel generally went to the honored guest, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, right? That first morsel of bread. I think so. Yeah, it's... It's interesting that, um, well, actually, I'm going to go a a different direction. It's interesting not only that um, it wasn't clear to the other people that Judas was the one who was going to betray him, but I think... And, and I've wondered about this because Jesus said, well, it's the one I hand the, the bread to. And then he handed the bread to Judas and nope, still nobody got it. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering whether he just, you know, handed it to, I mean, John obviously saw what was going on and Judas knew what Jesus was saying, but I'm not sure that the rest of the disciples were actually, you know, privy to what was going on there.
0: I imagine, I'm not even sure that they. I'm sorry. I imagine John at least told Peter, like, oh, he mm-hmm. said it's going to be the one he hands the bread to in a second here. Yeah,
1: um. Yeah. he might not have told him until later, mm. and it just it, it just uh, struck me that you know it's it, it might not have been till later because of that, and and it's interesting how in one in one gospel we've got we've got it from kind of from John's perspective, you know, John hears what Jesus says and sees him interact with Judas. We see another gospel where it records just Judas. Side, and then two other gospels where it's not that this interaction isn't mentioned at all. Mm. So, I'm, I'm wondering whether it's—anyway, just a side note.
0: Yeah, we're speculating a little bit, but it, it is clear that they didn't know why Jesus said this and, and who it was. Even afterwards. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't obvious that it was going to be Judas, because he was actually trusted with a lot, you know? They they wouldn't have trusted yeah. him to be basically the accountant, hold the money back, <laughs> distribute money to the <laughs> poor, you know? Go yeah. and they thought he was just going to be going out and buying more food for the supper when Jesus yeah. said, what you do, do." Quickly in a later verse. So, um, but it also is interesting that uh, you know just the position. It's good. It's good to understand the position when you're whenever you're reading a Bible narrative like this. It's good to be able to picture this as if it's a movie that's unfolding. So if you can't really picture it, it's it's hard to really grasp what's happening here. But this is a narrative, and it is written in a very clear way that that eyewitnesses were involved here. All the descriptions Mm. of you know the disciple whom Jesus loved leaning back against him. It gives credence to the, to the understanding that John, who, the, who wrote this, was an eyewitness. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Any other points to draw from this before we move on?
1: Um. Not from that um, verse. I look at verse 27, and that kind of, you know, interests me. It says, then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what are you going to do? Do quickly. Satan entered into him. Mm. That is a weird statement for John to make. I mean, clearly it was true, but how would he know something like that? How would he know when Satan had specifically entered into a person? Mm. Seems like something only Jesus himself could know.
0: Well, when we're talking about demons, possession and yeah. here this isn't just any old demon but Satan himself now um, yeah have you ever been in a situation where there's just a really weird vibe and a dark a darkness it just kind of gives you oh yeah goosebumps on the back of your neck and, you know something changed in the room um, and also we believe that John was writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so yes um, yes the holy I think the Holy Spirit confirmed to him to be able to give this commentary I'm thankful for it uh, one thing to know How is much-
1: after? How much after this? Because um, I think John actually wrote this down in, what was it, the 70s or something like that?
0: Yeah, so that's a good question. A lot of our listeners probably asked that question. Wasn't the New Testament mm. written hundreds of years later? No, mm. the even the best scholars, skeptic, skeptical scholars would say that John was probably one of the last uh, Gospels to be written in the lifetime of John. Uh, probably. It, after all of the other des- uh, Gospels were written, probably in the 70s, 80s, or some say as late as the 90s, um, because Revelation was probably written, uh, some say before 70 AD, some say after 70 AD, but it was written rather late compared to the other Gospels, but rather early compared to the conspiracy theories that people think Constantine wrote the New Testament. That's not true.
1: (laughs) But I think that reinforces your point in that that time between the event and the time that it was actually written down, there would have been time for for John to to meditate on This and and of course he received the Holy Spirit and and the Holy Spirit would have been very active in, in in putting down those events accurately.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I agree. And Jesus' own words, I found a cross reference uh, in John mm-hmm. six verse seventy and seventy one. Jesus said to them, "Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil." He spoke of Judas the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So Jesus' own words show that he is. Uh, in inspired by the devil. He's acting like the devil. And here, there's actually a bodily um, possession of Judas by the devil, which really causes us to back up and see the whole story of Scripture. From the beginning, Mm -hmm. Satan had fallen and tempted Adam and Eve to sin. The curse entered humanity and the world, and Satan himself was cursed in the saying that you will pierce the, the seed of the woman's heel, but he will crush your head. And so, the inspiration, if you call it inspiration behind Judas betraying Jesus was satanic purely satanic from the beginning he Mm. wanted nothing more than to kill Jesus but in that uh, Satan is also dealing himself the death blow because Jesus would crush his head through dying on the cross disarming the principalities and powers of of darkness uh, all the uh, demons that Satan led in rebellion against God and in the end as I'm doing this you know big (laughs) overview of the Bible God wins Satan is crushed and he's Cast into the lake of fire, which burns forever and ever and ever, and Jesus has victory. But for the moment, we got to not, you know, make light of what Jesus was going through. His spirit was troubled. His, one of his close disciples would betray him. And Judas here was very much at work. It's an interesting saying what Jesus says, uh, what you do, do quickly. I made the mistake yeah. of saying that to a uh, Christian brother a couple weeks ago who was saying, I'm going to go and do X, Y, or Z. And we were in the middle of an outreach. He was like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go get something and I'll be back. And I was like, okay. He's like, Yeah, I just wanna make sure I get my, you know, X, Y, or Z. And I was like, okay. And he's like, Well, I'm gonna go and, and I was like, Okay, what you do, do quickly. <laughs> I was trying Ooh. to encourage him to well <laughs> to, to just go and take care of it. But he's like, I'm not yeah. Judas. And I said, I didn't mean that you're a Judas. I was just encouraging you to go ahead. Yep. <laughs> so be careful how you quote the scripture, knowing the context, yes. it could yes. be yes. insulting.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So where are we at? What verse are we in now?
0: I think 29 or 30.
1: Yeah, right around there. At 29, Jesus was telling him by, or you know, people thought Jesus was telling him by what we need for the feast or give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out and it was night.
0: Hmm. Any thoughts on that? Oh,
1: oh it makes me think of um, Jesus when he said, you know, um, we must work while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Um, not sure that it's an exact connection because, of course, Jesus' work was finishing mm. or was still going on. <clears throat> But his work of training and preparing his disciples, um, you know, at least at that point, was ceasing for the time being while he was going to the cross. His ultimate work was actually starting at that point, Mm -hmm. the most important part of his ministry.
0: So, should we take this uh, literally, this part of the Bible, or metaphorically?
1: Which part in particular?
0: And it was night.
1: Um, Both.
0: Okay. (laughs) Yes, yes. That's, this is a narrative, and so it's telling us the time of day that uh, mm-hmm. it, they had been already having supper, and we're actually going to be spending quite a few chapters on this night, but it yeah, is also... a lot
1: of it, huge portion of the book. Yes,
0: there's a few more chapters of Jesus spending time with the disciples, but it's at this point that Satan goes out, I mean, Judas goes out, and there's kind of a division here. So, it's a good time to pause and reflect before we go into what happened in the room after Judas left. Um, what lessons can we learn from the life of Judas and the fact that he was there with Jesus the whole 3 plus years of ministry but that he would betray him Are there any lessons for today that we can learn
1: well there there's always the one that we've talked of before which is to examine your motives uh, be careful because it's easy it's easy to be self-deceived i've heard it said that nobody lies to you as much as you lie to yourself so we really need to be careful and i and at some level i'm sure that you know Judas was lying to himself I'm sure he, you know, we don't know what was going on in his heart. We can speculate all over the place, mm-hmm. whether he had good intentions when he started following Jesus or bad intentions when he started following Jesus. Um, but we know at the end that, you know, the uh, um, money became such an issue to him and status that he was willing to betray the son of God with a kiss for the price of a slave. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, money can be an idol status can be an idol and we have to we have to watch out for that. The Things of the world can pull us away from the truth of Christ. That's yep. dangerous.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, this doesn't tell us the rest of the story with Judas, but it, spoiler alert: he goes and hangs himself. Well, he first tries to return the the silver that he was paid to betray Jesus, mm-hmm. and sa- says he betrayed innocent blood. But then he then he goes and hangs himself. Um, some people might question: Well, was Judas a true believer that just made a terrible mistake and just had so much regret that he killed himself, or not? I would say. Not and uh, the evidence for that is that he he doesn't have remorse. Um, he doesn't have true repentance. He has the sort of remorse. But um, Jesus said that the one who turns him over has the greater sin, even greater than Pilate, who would have him be flogged and have him yeah. sent off to be uh, crucified with uh, Herod's uh, approval. So, Agreed. but yeah, Jesus says, says... verse things about uh, Judas. So I don't think he was ever truly a, a believer.
1: No. If well, I mean, if the, if the... God the Son says, you know, that, you know, one of you is a devil or that it would be better that he had never been born, that seems to me a pretty good indicator.
0: Yeah, and so you know? as it applies to today, we shouldn't be shocked. We could be grieved when we hear of people that we thought were stand-up quality Christians, true Christians. When we when we hear of people abandoning the faith or betraying Jesus, outright denying and blaspheming, um, deconstructing their faith, we shouldn't be surprised that there are Judases today. And yeah. as believers, Absolutely. if Jesus says, those who receive, those who I send are receiving me. We should also expect that if Jesus was betrayed, then we will be betrayed because we're followers of Jesus. And when we go through that, it hurts. But I think the lesson we should learn is the disciples went on. You know, they didn't say, oh, well, there's a hypocrite among us, and so we reject the whole thing. No. Know that there are true believers and false believers, and God will show through time that true believers will stand the test of time. Yeah. So, don't give up. Absolutely not. All right. Shall we go on? to the next yes, section. Absolutely. We have uh, 20 minutes. Uh, we I thought we were going to have a shorter exposition about <laughs> Judas, but God gave us a lot to say, yeah. or maybe we just ramble yeah. on. I tend to ramble yeah. on. so let's Probably a little
1: bit of both, you know?
0: <laughs> if, if there's anything good, it comes from God. If there's anything there just from my opinion, I pray that you forget about it. There we go, and, and same with me. And I'll edit it out of the radio show.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: And we're on verse 31 now, correct? Verse 31. I'm actually going to pull up these verses on the screen over here, if I can. Dan, would you want to read uh, just verse 31 through 35 while I do that? Sure. Thanks. So,
1: when he had gone out, Jesus said, "'Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once.'" Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for
0: one another. Amen. Amen. So, there's a couple of different thoughts here. One is the new commandment. We'll we'll touch on that in a second, in a minute. Uh, uh, but first, Jesus talks a lot about the, the glory, he, this word glorified. It shows up four or five times in a matter of a couple of verses. And so let's talk yeah. about this. In spite of the heavy heart that Jesus had, that he would be betrayed, Jesus also looked forward to the glory that was in store for him. And that reminds me of Hebrews chapter 12, what it says about this time and how we should look to Jesus as our example, who for the joy set before us, be, for the joy set before him, endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God and Amen. a couple other cross references philippians 2 11 and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is lord to the glory of God the father when he is mm-hmm. uh, seated on the throne and then john 17 5 jesus prays and now father glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed so Jesus Love is that not... Verse. yeah he's not just first glorified after he ascends to heaven but he's he Returns to his place of glory. And then Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all he has and buys the field. Long story short, this parable, I believe, one interpre- valid interpretation is that um, the field is the world, like it says in the same chapter. And Jesus paid the price to redeem the world because in the world was a treasure of people who would believe in Him. And the joy set before Him was not only returning to glory with the Father, but also Mm -hmm. the reward of His suffering, which is the redemption of believers like you and me. And maybe someone listening on the show, if you put your faith in Christ, you repent of your sins, you're what Jesus died for. You are who Jesus died for as the joy set before Him, as the treasure that He purchased with His own blood. And so, to me, that's encouraging. How about you, Dan? Mm,
1: It is. Actually, if if it's okay, I've got a little passage about how Jesus Christ was glorified in the cross. Yes. And it's by a a pastor by the name of J.C. Ryle, and it talks about the different way. Well, let me just read it to you. Uh, The crucifixion brought glory to the Father. It glorified his wisdom, faithfulness, holiness, and love. It showed him wise in providing a plan whereby he could be just and yet the justifier of the ungodly. It showed him faithful in keeping his promise that the seed of the woman should bruise the serpent's head. It showed him holy in requiring his law's demands be satisfied by our great substitute. It showed him loving in providing such a mediator, such a redeemer, and such a friend for sinful man as his co-equal son. And the crucifixion brought glory to the son. It glorified his compassion, his patience, and his power. It showed him most compassionate in dying for us, suffering in our stead, allowing himself to be counted sin and a curse for us and buying our redemption with the price of his own blood. It showed him most patient in not dying the common death of most men, but in willingly submitting to such pains and unknown agonies as no mind can conceive, when with a word he could have summoned his father's angels and be set free. It showed him most powerful in bearing the weight of all the transgressions of the world and vanquishing Satan and despoiling him of his prey. I just found that really encouraging. I mean, it's, it's, there's this, I think it's hard for some people to understand how the, something as horrible as the cross could at the same time bring glory to God. And I thought that in, just encapsulated it mm-hmm. really well.
0: And just, yeah, it's very, very, I'm not, I wish I could be that eloquent. <laughs> 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 you that, and me that, both. <laughs> that was very good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, but there, absolutely. there is a beauty and pro- profound truth in both the suffering and glory of Jesus and how those oh, things yeah. come together. And it's really the center of the Bible. And that's why we, as evangelists, as Christians, we delight in the cross. You know, we we preach Christ died for our sins as good news. How is that good news if we love Jesus? Well, it's good news because it shows how much he loved us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, every great Dramatic movie or book has that tension between suffering and love, and uh, you know the 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 goal of the. Um the main character in the story being achieved through struggle and yeah. i think every good story takes its cues from this great story
1: yeah that's kind of the crisis point yes every good story's got that crisis point mm-hmm. you know so and it's a uh, oh my goodness what an amazing thing that it, it is yeah. that that god would do that for us for his own glory Amen. but for us as well uh, what a what a blessing
0: and so this shows that uh, god was going to glorify jesus and jesus knew that that his hour had come, he was going to depart and be with the Father. Um, so that I think that hope, that, that uh, focus helped him to go through what he went through for us. So speaking of his glory, and then he goes on to speak about his love, and he actually calls it a new command that he gives to us, that you love one another. Now pause there. If you didn't re- read the rest of the verse, you would think, well, isn't the whole summary of the law? He had already said the summary of the Ten Commandments was to love God and love people. So how yes, is this yes. a new commandment? to love one another. Well, if we go on reading, it says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So, Jesus demonstrating love to the end, love by self-sacrifice, by elevating our concept of love, not just like the good Samaritan who provides for his neighbor who had struggled, that's that's definitely loving your neighbor. Um, mm-hmm. Jesus shows us how to love to the uttermost, to the end, and that is yeah. a selfless kind of self-sacrificing love that we're called to have for one another.
1: And it says that if we go on to the next verse, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. That's really the hallmark. That is the defining point of the true Christian mm-hmm. is, is is love for our brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is it's just an amazing thing. I know that you've seen this in your life, but um, I have in mind as well the, the way that true Christians love love each other and care for each other and pray for each other. And, and, and we're really a family and we're a family because God has placed his love in us. And that's, that's an amazing thing like the disciples were family in uh, in, in uh because of the uniting love of, of jesus christ um i've seen that and felt that i've had times where i've just walked into a room and looked around and talked to people a little bit and i said man this is a bunch of true believers in here mm-hmm. <laughs> you you can almost it, it's almost palpable um you can feel the 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 spirit of love through the spirit of god um, when you're around other believers it's mm-hmm. something that i don't even know that i can can
0: describe in words. Hmm. Amen. Yeah, you can feel it in just the attitude that people have, but also mm-hmm. the way that Jesus loved us was in action. And yes, whenever someone gives something self-sacrificially where it doesn't have any benefit to them, I think in mm-hmm. that you see the love of God. And Absolutely. I'd, I'd like to highlight one verse, I mean, one word in that verse, is that all will know that you're my disciples. So the, the knowledge that you're a disciple, um, not only for other people to recognize that you're a Christian, uh, but for you to yourself know that you're a Christian. If we're talking about examining your motives, examine your heart, you know, examine are you really saved, make your calling and election sure, this is one of the signs you should see in your own life. Am I loving other people? Yes, yes. You know, and then you can know if you have Christ's kind of love—that's an evidence to you that you are a follower of Jesus. Not just, "Yeah, I'm trying my best, but I fail to love people with the limited resources that I have." But this is a supernatural love that goes above and beyond what you naturally can produce. A natural man, a non-Christian who's just without the Spirit of God in him, doesn't have that capacity to love others as those of us who have received love from God. As the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God in our hearts, it overflows from. Him. it's not because it's something we're manufacturing, it's because it's there is a God, and this is evidence yeah, to the world yeah. that we know Him, and it's evidence mm-hmm. to us, too. So, if you struggle with, you know, I perf- if you profess to be a Christian, but you don't recognize any love in your life, maybe go back and ask, have you even received His love? Mm-hmm. And if not, receive it first, and then you'll yes. have something to give to others, and Indeed. you'll be assured of your your own relationship with Jesus as a true Christian. So, yeah, it's, His love is high and, and uh, perfect isn't it, Dan? It is. It
1: is indeed. It's um, perfect in loving us not only uh, when we deserve it, but even when we don't deserve it. Kind of, you know, reminds me of the next verse that we've we've got just a couple more verses before we're done.
0: Okay. Why don't we just go and ahead and the, finish the chapter, actually? Yeah. Verse uh, 34. No, I'm sorry. Verse, yeah, where are we? 36 through yeah. the end of the chapter. Yep. And then yeah. we'll, we'll call it a day by 530. I yes. got to get going. So let's yep. wrap yep. this yep. up. Dan, when you want to read that passage,
1: I do. Yes, yeah, great example of we see later of of God's love towards Simon Peter, even despite his failure, and we see his. One of his greatest failures or a prediction of his greatest failure here. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. What a difficult thing. I mean, it's a difficult thing to hear. Under the best of circumstances, but to have the son of God tell you, yeah, you're, you're, you're talking a big game, but you're going to deny that you even know me. That would be tough.
0: Yeah, especially when Peter was so confident in his own Mm -hmm. ability to withstand the temptation of Satan. Peter had uh, um, stuck his foot a lot in his mouth over the years. (laughs) But here, (laughs) this is a big claim.
1: Yeah, it it really is. It just kind of reminds me of that passage that talks about those who have zeal but not knowledge. (laughs) I think we all have our moments of that where mm-hmm. we we have our we want to be bold, we want to be faithful, and we yeah we stick our foot in our mouths, mm-hmm. we we handle things wrong or say things that we shouldn't or you know go beyond you know what you know maybe what God you know expects of us or go beyond what the Word says with the best of intentions. Mm-hmm. But and and Peter was kind of that guy um, up until this point. I mean, we see him working powerfully in the church later. But even then, he had his moments where he made bad choices. Um, but, you know, God, you know, Jesus loved him. Now I'm getting ahead of myself. Could, because some of the statements from Jesus to Peter at the end of the Gospels are some of the most powerful and some of the most loving that we see in all of Scripture.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we could allude to that, how Jesus predicted Peter would deny him three times. But mm-hmm. when he restores him, he asks him three times, do you love me? And love he, me. yeah. And he restores him. Um, and Peter becomes stronger and more confident in his God rather than in himself as the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost, we see a different yes. Peter who is I do. you know clearly born again, clearly spirit-filled, clearly not afraid. Well, maybe he has, was slightly afraid. It's not really boldness unless you're kind <laughs> of afraid. But uh, yes, he was true. bold and he preached the gospel and 3,000 people got saved that day and were baptized and added to the church. And so, a lesson we can learn as we are drawing nearer to our conclusion and our time for mm-hmm. today from Peter's life is that... That We shouldn't place our confidence in ourselves, but in Him who raises the dead, in God. And if we're um, surrendered to Him and allowing His power to work through us, we can be used in great ways. I think of a book at, I read in Bible college, I'd recommend it. It's called Absolute Surrender. And it takes a, the, the story of Peter and it shows how God allowed him to go through this failure so that he would see that he he would come to the end of himself. And I don't know about you, Dan, but I've, I've come to the end of myself many times where I just realize I just oh, yeah. don't have it in me naturally, and I, I need to stop drawing on myself and my own resources and draw upon His resources. And that's the only yes. way we can be faithful to the end.
1: Amen. That's it.
0: So, as we wrap up and we conclude thinking of the difference between Peter and Judas, Judas was not restored. He was a child of the devil, and he uh, showed it by his betrayal of Jesus, and committing suicide uh, for him was a sign that he had no hope. Peter grieved for his sin, on the other hand. He didn't betray Jesus, but he did deny him. And there's a big difference there in what the difference is between those sins. We don't have time to flesh out. But if you're concerned today, listening to us today, and concerned, have I betrayed Jesus? Have I denied him? Is it possible for me to be restored? I would say, look at the Apostle Paul, for an example of someone who called himself the chief of sinners that God showed patience to as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. So don't get stuck on, am I a Judas? Am I a Peter? You're you. And if you're hearing our voice, you still have the chance to repent, put your trust in Jesus, and follow Him by the power of God. And God God will save you if you are truly receiving Him, as we talked about earlier. Amen. I agree.
1: And if any of you have any more questions about that, or are concerned about the state of your soul, or want to talk a little more one-on-one, of course, we do go out to the street regularly. You can also reach out to us on our website. You can go to OAC North cal.org. we've got uh, ways that you can contact us there we, you can go to our uh, reach us by email at um, oacnorcal at gmail.com and uh, we'd love to hear from you we'd love to be able to encourage you we'd love to be able to pray with you and for you and uh, help you come to know this God that we know who has been such a blessing to us so, thanks so much for listening in. Uh, once again, I'm Dan
0: Bodwin. And my name's Brendan Powers. So, we'll see you next time. <laughs> God go. bless you as God you continue bless. to dwell on truth. This show has been brought to you by generous supporters through open-air campaigners, Northern California, and those who give to patreon.com slash dwell on truth. You've been listening to the Dwell on Truth show, and if you like what you heard, please let us know. And if you have any questions for us to answer next time as we begin our study with John chapter 14, feel free to write us at dwellontruth at gmail.com.